gosh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. All right. Yeah, y'all really scared me. First time you surprised me. This time you scared me. Okay. <laughs> Hey, we just want to take a moment to remember uh, today is your 10-year, well, yesterday, actually, but we couldn't meet yesterday. Yesterday, today is your 10-year anniversary. You've been at Galilee, and we just want to celebrate you a little bit. Is it in my hair? <laughs> Can't mess up my hair, y'all. What's up with that? You're all right. You're all right. Look at your notes. That's awesome. I know. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, we just wanted to thank you for the past 10 years of just leading us so well through so much. Uh, you know, you came here and you followed a legend, which is hard, and we saw through your humility that you do that, and it was great to watch. I mean, I can't think of how many, uh, you know, 10 years, it's at least, on, even on Sundays, 500 sermons, not counting Wednesday nights, you've written uh, how many hospital calls you've, you've driven to Athens and Gainesville, how many times you've went into people's homes to just be with them funerals, uh, when you probably had something else going on and you can't plan those kinds of things. But we just want to thank you for loving us so well. Uh, we just wanted to cheer you on a little bit today. Appreciate Can we give him a hand? Guys. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I don't get the pop huh? It's not every day we get the I know. Um... <laughs> But thank you. You know, you've, some of the cool stuff, I mean, think how many baptisms, the waters, you know, I mean, you've given us this one morning, I remember we burnt the note where we were out of debt. You've led us through a building program in the back here. Uh, I mean, just so many things you've led us through, and then the past couple of years through a pandemic. And uh, we know that's tough, uh, and we just want to say thank you. And we hope you got another 10 years in you. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. We've also got a... A weekend trip for you and Abby to Savannah. Abby, thank you so much for your help and oh, uh, encouragement and support. So uh, wow. now you get to preach, man. God bless you yep. guys. Love you later. Thank you guys. Wow. That's so generous. Thank you. Listen, I uh, clean myself a space here. You know, in these moments, you, you don't really know what to say. There's no really right words. So I'll just simply say thank you. Uh, and since I'm a preacher, I can't just simply say thank you. Um, I, you know, we have felt, Abby and I have felt uh, since, you know, before 10 years ago, because there was a process, of course, of many months leading up to us coming here, we've just really believed that God was leading us and guiding us here to you. Uh, I really believe that. And we have just seen that confirmed over and over again in our lives uh, and in the lives of our children. Uh, it's a real joy. My daughter, Bliss, was five when we came, and she was up here helping to lead worship today at, uh, at 15, and, and I just am blown away uh, by this place that has allowed our family to grow and to serve Jesus alongside you. Uh, I consider it an unbelievable honor to be able to be here and to serve this church and to serve alongside this great staff that we have, uh, and so many of you that Again, just day after day, week after week, serve in the name of Jesus. Uh, it, is, it is truly a joy. So thank you. God bless you. We love you guys. And uh, we are just truly humbled uh, by this moment. Uh, Ten years and Lord willing, uh, the Lord gives us even more. So, okay, now I got to reset myself. I'm going to pray. 
and uh, get myself straightened out because, yes, this morning has been, uh, has been a lot in a very, very good way. But uh, we've got to get into what really matters, the Word of God. So let, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, again, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for calling us here. I thank you for the opportunity to be the pastor of Galilee Christian Church. What an unbelievable honor. Uh, Lord, I don't, I don't pastor a building. I don't pastor a campus. Uh, I get to pastor these amazing people. And Lord, I am so truly thankful for them. God, I pray your blessings upon them and their families. I pray that you will continue to give us leading and guidance and strength to do and to accomplish everything you have called us to. Lord, we know that you have us on mission. We know that the gospel is going out from here and making a difference in the lives of many. God, I pray that it will change first our hearts and give us the strength and the ability to change others as we proclaim it in your name. Thank you, Lord, for this life. Thank you for this joy of getting to be here today and to proclaim your word. May we hear it. May we be moved by it. And We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Listen, ever, ever since I was a little kid, I have really loved to go out and check the mail. It's just something I really liked. I think I, I kind of, and I still feel like this, even in my adult years, I love to go out and get the mail. Sometimes I even go out and get the church mail out of the mailbox. And I think the reason for that is that every trip to the mailbox feels like a possibility. There's always the possibility of something good waiting for you there in the mailbox. You just never know. Now, most of the time it's bills, right? Most of the time it's junk mail or somebody trying to, to reach me about the extended warranty on my car. But it's, it's usually not. But every now and then, like you get a, a refund check on something. That's cool. And even better than that, you go to the mailbox and a human being has written you a card or a letter. Can you imagine? I mean, that's just amazing now because, you know, we get so many emails and texts and all these kinds of things that feel a little impersonal or sometimes very impersonal. To get a letter, to get something that somebody hand wrote and sent to you, man, that, that just the prospect of it still excites me. Doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it's a real joy. Uh, something as simple as a letter can be something we're expecting about. Jesus wrote a series of letters, and you may not have known that Jesus wrote letters. He just wrote them through John. John, in the book of Revelation, in the first couple of chapters, there are seven letters to seven churches, and in many ways, because the number seven biblically has a lot of uh, symbolic meaning, these seven letters to these seven churches are meant to be not only to those seven churches, but the information they contain and the message they send is for us, all of the church, both in that day and age and today. So we have a lot that we can learn about it. Now, we're not going to look at all seven letters. We're just going to look at one because I felt like, and I really believe God was leading me to, to share this message, not because I think we're stuck someplace as a church in, in some place of being lukewarm. No, no, it's, it's quite the opposite. It's that this letter in many ways becomes a reminder to not allow ourselves to drift, but to stay razor focused on our purpose and our mission and be filled with passion for what it is that Jesus wants us to do. 
Listen here in Revelation 3. Let's read through this. Revelation 3, I just want to start with verses 14 through 16. And listen to what Jesus says to this church at a place called Laodicea. This is where one of the early churches were, and he's sending this message. Now remember, he sent all these other letters out through John in his writings. And there's some churches that are struggling with, you know, they're falling away. And there's some churches that are just kind of fake. And then there's other churches that, like Laodicea, are finding themselves stuck somewhere a little more in the middle. So listen, it says, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Now notice that, one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now it's interesting the way that Jesus writes this letter. Jesus writes the letter much in the same way that he spoke and taught throughout his life and and earthly ministry. Because you know how he did this. He would use object lessons to teach, didn't he? He would talk about fields. He would talk about grapevines, like we talked about last week, if you were here. He would use things, especially in that agrarian society, that they really knew and connected with. He'd tell stories, parables, and he would use examples from the life that they were living so that they could apply a biblical truth most easily to their life. You understand that Jesus is teaching in the same way. You still hear Jesus's voice, not John's. Jesus's voice is coming through in this letter because because it is his voice. When he writes to Laodicea, he does that with full knowledge of what that city is like, what that region is like. And he knew, of course, that Laodicea had a water problem. They had a water issue. Laodicea's water, though you could drink it from the ground out of a well, it was very hard, it was very sulfury. So it would not have been pleasant. And yes, if you drank that water, you could drink it, but frequently, guess what? If you got a taste of it that was especially sulfury, guess what you'd be doing? (laughs) Spitting. Spitting it out of your mouth. So he uses this example as a part of this too. But Laodicea got its water, most of its water, through an aqueduct system that flowed from a town that was about 10 miles, 8 or 10 miles up the road called uh, uh, Colossae. So this clear, cold water would flow from Colossae down to Laodicea. And so the cold water was good. I want you to understand this. Jesus is saying not that you need to be just cold or just hot. He's saying cold and hot are good because they have a purpose. Lukewarm, nope. The hot piece of this that he was connecting with them through is that another city was just up the road, about the same distance, a city called Herapoli. And Herapoli was known for its hot medicinal springs. So right here at Laodicea, within about a 10-mile, if you drew a circle, about a 10-mile radius, you have Herapoli with its hot medicinal waters that are good. Say good, right? Then 
10 miles up the road, you've got Colossae with its clear, cold water that is good. So cold, good, hot, good, lukewarm, not so much, right? This is the message that Jesus is sending. This is what he is explaining to them, that you've got to stay in your purpose. He says, you know, you're, you're, you're finding yourself in this place. I wish you were either one or the other. You're neither cold nor hot. You've lost your sense of purpose. Now, look, I am thankful to serve at a church where I don't believe lukewarmness is a major issue. I think collectively, because I had to think about this as I was walking through this message, what would a letter from Jesus to Galilee Christian Church say? I tell you what I think it would say. I think it would be an encouraging letter. I think it would be a letter of encouragement and of much praise. For a church where there are people that are consistently loving Jesus and loving one another, where there are a church filled with people that are providing a place where foster families can come and get close, we get to host that ministry here, that are providing money for local missions to feed people that are hungry in a significant way, in worldwide missions that are carrying out the gospel all around the globe, to a church where people come and serve and bring things that go out into our community that bless them, that come and provide time and energy and talent and, again, materials that go and bless in places where people, again, need food or the ministry that we have that goes into the local hospitals and blesses hospital workers. Listen, in all of these ways, I think there would be many high words of praise. And that's not to mention all of the ways that individual people that are a part of our church go out and serve and make a difference in this community. Galilee Christian Church is known as a place with people that serve. And that's a beautiful thing. It's to be praised, and I believe Jesus would praise it. And I believe that he would call us to examine ourselves, every single one of us, and say, what area in your life, what areas in your life are drifting from that hot and cold purpose and have drifted into areas of lukewarmness where they have lost their sense of direction and purpose and it needs to be found again. So while I believe it'd be a letter of praise, it would also be a letter of self-examination. Don't get too comfortable. I believe that message would be at the forefront. It doesn't take long for us to lose our fire or for our effectiveness to cool. Look, at, uh, look back in, in Luke chapter 3, I'm sorry, uh, Revelation chapter 3 here, verse 17. He says, you say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. He's speaking right to the issues that Laodicea, this church, is dealing with. He says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. 
Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Messages that call on us to repent, messages that rebuke parts of our life that are not in alignment with God and his word, those aren't unloving messages. Quite the opposite. How do I know that? Because Jesus just said it. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, just like we do with our kids. He says, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This joy, this gift that we're going to get to have that Jesus has purchased for us with his death, burial, and sacrifice and resurrection unto new life that we get to join with him in. He's saying he did this for us. We get to go and to be with him. What an unbelievable joy. But we better wake up. We better examine ourselves. We better not drift into lukewarmness. And that is easy for us to do because we get comfortable. Especially in our westernized Christian culture. It becomes very easy to put our feet up. Just like the Laodiceans had done. Listen, y'all, they had it all. They had it going on in that town. They did. I mean, other than their water. They had it going on. And, you know, they were rich enough to have a nice aqueduct system that brought them good, clear, cold water most of the time. It was good water. But they had this special eye salve. Jesus knew this, by the way. Some kind of a medicinal eye salve that had been developed there in that town and was sold there. And part of that helped to provide and to bring money into that city. They also had a special wool that they were known for in that city, in that region, that was very highly sought after. Think about it as like your nicest designer clothes now, okay? People sought after it, and it brought money into that town. And it was a great place to live, had a good climate, all those kinds of things. People loved being there, and they were blessed, and they, had, they felt like they had everything they needed. It's a lot like Jackson County and our surrounding counties, where there's a lot of people moving here. There's a lot of people that want to live here. There's a lot of good things happening, and so people want to be here. That's a good thing. I know some people are thinking, oh, no, I don't. I just want it to stay the same. Listen, what we ought to see is not, oh, yeah, you know, in spite of inflation, hey, my house is now worth three times what it was or whatever before. Yeah, okay, that's good. I'm going to just sit back and put my feet up and be happy about my increase. At least all these people coming here do that for me. Then we just sit back. Now, friends, The message of Jesus in this would be quite different. It would be, think about all the people that I'm bringing into your sphere of influence. Think about the opportunity for the gospel with new people that are moving into your town, in your neighborhood, to your workplace, to your school. Young people, when's the last time you went and talked to a person that you didn't know in your school? Maybe at lunch, the new kid, right? Going out of your way 
And that's not just for students, adults. When's the last time you went out of your way to go and meet the new neighbor that moved in? Not that hard to knock on a door and welcome somebody. As a matter of fact, it's one of the easiest, most uh, least awkward things you will ever do. Somebody's moving in. They're not going to think it's weird. You're coming to welcome them to that neighborhood. They're going to think that's nice. What a great opportunity you have. Maybe they'll become one of your five. You'll be inviting them, praying for them, encouraging them to come here for Easter at Galilee. That's a great opportunity. And this is the way that we should see the increase that is around us, the blessing that is around us, instead of it making us sit back and relax and maybe get a little lazy because it's easy for that to happen. We just, the truth is we just get comfortable because comfortable is easy. It doesn't, take so, it doesn't take very long for us to get, just like Laodicea, so full of the things that surround us that we end up full of ourselves and full of the stuff, so much so that there's not room for the, for the mission and the purpose of God to get in. And we can't let it happen. Find our purpose. Hot or cold, find your purpose. Let me break down verse 18 because I really feel like it's verse 18 here that really speaks to the heart of everything that's in this message from Jesus to Laodicea and to Galilee Christian Church. Because remember, it's written to us too. Look at what it says. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Do you see what Jesus does there? He does what I'm about to do because I'm just doing what he did. He uses these three areas of life that have provided comfort to them He draws them out, and then he says, what you really need is my perfect version of this. This is what you need to be focused on. And the very first thing he talks about there is the riches. Like I say, they were were rich. They had plenty of gold. They had a lot of financial riches because of all the things that have been brought into that town. But he's saying to them, what you need is gold refined in the fire. Why? What does he mean? Things that have been refined in fire, as you probably know, the idea behind that is that those things will last. If you refine a sword in the fire, if you temper steel with heat, it lasts. His whole point here is you pursue riches that will actually last, that actually matter. Because everything else, judging your life by the world's standard of richness, it's a mistake. So focus on things, church, like loving God first. A love for people. Loving God, loving people. May that be the place where we draw our richness from. I was reading recently about a pastor that just retired. 
Very true story. And he was speaking at his retirement ceremony. And he said of he and his wife, he said, we committed early in our life and ministry to clutter up our lives with... to clutter up our lives instead instead of with things and stuff with people. We decided to clutter up our lives with people instead of things and stuff. But he said the thing we didn't realize at the time was how rich that would make us. And so this was already in the message before y'all, I knew y'all were going to do anything for 10 years. I, I just think about how rich we are, I am, my family is, because of the people of God, because of the people that I get to serve Jesus alongside with right here at Galilee, that have a passion for him, that love him and love others in his name. I pray that we will continue to clutter up one another's lives for a long time. That's my prayer, is that Jesus will continue to move in one another so that we can serve him. Because I just believe that love for God, that love for people, that's what he's calling us to do. That is a life that is seeking refined riches, that we would lead a life of faith, and service. Leave that legacy. I mean, nobody's going to care if you were the richest person in town 50 years from now. Nobody's going to care. Because 50 years from now, there's going to be somebody with 50 times your riches. Nope, no one's going to care. But I can guarantee you that if you lead a life and live a, leave a legacy of faith and service in your life, people will care. They will know. They will remember in all the ways that actually matter. It's true. If you serve in your church, rather than simply sitting on the sidelines and consuming, we're glad you're here. Whatever state you're in, make sure you hear me saying that. But when you get to that place where you're actually serving In the name of Christ, you're finding your mission and your purpose. And we will help you do that if you need help. You will find such a richness and a joy in that. This is what it means to be rich, Jesus is saying. He also instructs these rich people, you need some clean clothes. And like I say, they would have taken that, they would have been taken aback at that because they'd be like, look, People come from all around to get our clothes. They want this, they want these clothes, this clothing that's made out of the wool that's found in Laodicea. We're very special. And Jesus says, all of that, all of that, where you think you're looking good and you got on your best. You put on all of your richness and you're wearing it on you. What you actually have is a shameful nakedness because you're putting stock in the wrong things. 
gotten too comfortable in what you're wearing. And this is easy to do, right? I mean, we all have those favorite things we go to in our closet. You know, I've, I've got some shirts and things that I've been wearing. I think I got some shirts still from high school. <laughs> this is really old, y'all. And uh, I try to hang on to some of that stuff because it's so comfortable. But somehow, and I mean, you know, I know it's like ripped some places. And, you know, maybe I cut the sleeves off back then. And, and it's got some stains on it and stuff. And, but they're, cu- they're comfortable shirts. But somehow they keep disappearing. Yeah, my wife sees it and is like, that's got to go. And then I'll go to look in the rag box that we have. Oh, there's my shirt, right? So I get it, but I keep wanting to wear it because, well, it's comfortable. But Jesus is saying, don't be happy with just being comfortable. No, you pursue me. What you need is me to wash you clean, to clothe you in cleanliness, in this pure whiteness, which is just a sign, again, of purity that means you're living a life that honors God. Our shameful nakedness is easy for us to lose sight of. We need this wake-up call from Jesus. We all do. Final thing he points out to them makes this connection to to the eye salve, that medicinal eye salve. He says, you need eyes to see. You see what he's done? I mean, from the water to the financial blessing, to the clothing, to the eye south. He's pointed out all these areas that when it was received by that church, they would have said, oh yeah, wow. Jesus is speaking right to us. So guess what? This morning as the Holy Spirit moves right now in your heart, you are thinking about ways that this message applies right to your heart. This is what the Holy Spirit does, and it's beautiful. Sometimes we become blind to a thing. You know, it's it's funny too. Sometimes we we think we're seeing better than we are till we go get new glasses or new contacts, and we're like, oh, wow, I really wasn't seeing all that well, and now I have this clarity. And the things in our life, again, it becomes easy to ignore something for time, over time. just becomes something we see all the time. We stop paying attention to it. You know, you could probably go into my house right now and you'd find two or three things easily where you're like, oh, I wonder why they let that little board right there be loose. Or why is that little piece of trim not right? Or, you know, why has that wall not been painted? But I could go to my house and be like, oh, yeah, I don't even notice it anymore. Because I just see it all the time. Do you see why we need a message like this, church? Because it just becomes easy to drift into that comfortable middle. And that's lukewarmness. No, we have to purposefully pursue the purpose of hot and cold in our lives. Let me finish with these words from the text today, back in 19 and 20. He says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Do you know that Jesus' whole point here 
is about inviting us in to intimate fellowship. Table fellowship in that day and age was a big deal. What do I mean by table fellowship? That means you'd sit down at the same table as somebody else and have a meal. Lots of different people did not and would not do that in that day and age. Your status would affect that. If you were a lower status and somebody else was a high status, they wouldn't be able to have table fellowship with you. If somebody else was from a particular region or from a particular race or whatever it was that might have divided you, you would not be able to have table fellowship. Well, there is no other name. There is no higher name like we sang earlier than the name of Jesus. But Jesus says, I love you enough to invite you in to table fellowship with me, to intimate relationship with me. This is the idea that we have of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He offers it to you today. And we need to recognize what an unbelievable gift it is. It ought to inspire in us that Jesus has prepared a place for me at his table. Jesus has invited me in to his rule and reign in heaven at the right hand of Father God. Unbelievable, this gift. How could I ever allow myself? Lord, forgive me for every time I have allowed myself to drift into a place of lukewarmness. Look, y'all, you know as well as I do, we like our hot things hot and our cold things cold. Yes? Nobody, y'all want some ice cream? If I bring you ice cream in a big melted tub, you're not excited anymore, are you? Big melty tub of ice cream. Not great. If I ask you, do you want a Krispy Kreme donut? You want the one that came with the hot and ready sign on, right? That's the one you want. But if I, if I say, I mean, the, those of y'all that are like, oh, well, I'll take it. You know, it's been sitting out on the counter like three days. I'm having y'all committed later this afternoon, all right? Listen, nobody wants that donut. Nobody. That donut has drifted into lukewarmness. It is no longer what it needs to be. Don't you see, my friends? This is the message of Christ. Let us go all the way into our purpose. What I am convinced of beyond a shadow of a doubt for every person in this room and every single person online. Here's the answer. Here's the answer to flee from a life of lukewarmness. Jesus. You need Jesus. What do you need? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what the old hymn says. And it's true. My prayer for you and me is that we may find an ever-growing sense of his presence, his patience, and his passion. May it consume our lives. May it burn away every feeling of indifference. 
I'm going to pray that for you. Will you pray that for me? Lord, burn away every feeling of indifference so that we can know, so that I can know, so that you can know what true riches are. That we would live in authentic holiness, not holiness facade. Your holiness facade is worth nothing. May we live in authentic holiness and have eyes to see the world around us that desperately needs to hear and to share in these gospel riches that you and I have been so unbelievably blessed with. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Will you pray with me?